welcome to a very special episode of the Weird Warriors podcast. Normally, this podcast focuses on the Weird War Tales series published by DC Comics from 1971 to 1983. This time around, however, we're going to do something a little different. This episode, dear listeners, is the debut of what may very well become a recurring feature here on the show. Welcome, troops, to the first installment of The Road Warriors. Indeed, this feature will be kind of a travel log, detailing and reminiscing about various road trips and other journeys that Rich and I have taken together or separately that tie in to the war and or horror comics theme of the Weird Warriors podcast. For this inaugural episode, we're starting at the top, folks. Seriously, this one's going to be pretty tough to beat. So take a moment, make sure the cooler is stocked, the gas tank is full, and the best playlists are loaded onto your phones, because after this short podcast promo break, we are heading out to the highway. All right, our bags are packed and we got the snacks. It's time for the Lombox Crusade road trip to the Lombox Mobile crew. Check on, check check on. on. Dang it. Everyone buckled up. Here we go. Well, now that the garage is empty, Gene will have more space to record episodes of LBC Irregulars, the indexing of the Jeremy Brett Sherlock Holmes TV series. Oh no! Did anyone remember to leave Clinton some food down in the basement? He's gonna need it as he makes more episodes of Fan Film Fridays, his ongoing look at online fan films. Why are you speaking in such a scripted manner, Dark Web? Anyway, you can relax. I asked Rick, or was it Jeff? Who can remember? I asked the attic guy to come down from time to time to check in on Clinton. You know, take some breaks from recording Monday Movie Muck about his movie review show. Weasel Skull, did you give Rick the key to the basement? Key. Sounds like LBC headquarters is in good hands, Death Probe. Right you are, Christados. Oh, Pat, can we stop off at KB Toy Store? I'm going to pick up some Transformers and G.I. Joes. They remind me of Transformers Chronicles and G.I. Joe Chronicles. Our show's going through the Marvel run of Transformers comics and the Devil's Do run of Joe comics. Well, while you guys are doing that, we can also stop by a Blockbuster video and get some tapes to watch for action film face-off. That's the show where we discuss two action films and have them duke it out to see which one is the episode champion. Is that VHS or beta? Yeah, either one's fine. We've got a lot of stops to make, but if we can, let's squeeze in the Walden books and score some comics for us to talk about on Crusader Chronicles, the show where we move chronologically through the amazing Spider-Man comics and include a bonus issue from the same release date as the Spidey recovery. I will definitely keep an eye out for our Walden books. It'll come in handy for the pure Lombok Crusade episodes, our time capsule show where we take a deep dive into a randomly selected comic and talk about news, music, and movies and ads that were popular when the books were released. I'll also be on the lookout for our electronic boutique, EB, if you guys don't know the lingo back then, so we can get some more comic-related video games for us to discuss on Comics to Council Crusade. Good thinking. If time permits, let's hit Circuit City. I need more positrons for our pop culture positcast show. The one where we find all the good stuff in pop culture that others seem to poo-poo. Positrons? Shut up and go with it. These old-timey, out-of-business store jokes doing anything for you folks? Well, if you like old-timey stuff, we also offer Saturday Matinee Theater. Our look back at old TV shows, serials, and films that have kind of been forgotten. I think that about covers it. We definitely want to be your road trip crew, folks. Whether it's your commute to work or a road trip of your own, why not pass the time with us, your friends at the Long Box Crusade? Once again, that's Long Box Crusade, available on all your finer podcatchers. 
Good job, team. I'm getting hungry. Pat, stop at the next Kenny Rogers Roasters that you see. Or Pennigan's. Burger Chef! And we're back. As I said before the break, we have some incredibly cool stuff to talk about on this premiere episode of the Road Warriors feature here on the Weird Warriors podcast. Faithful listeners of the show will know that even though we appreciate all of the creators featured in each and every issue of Weird War Tales, there are some that rise above, some that we appreciate just a little bit more than the rest, some that to us are absolute legends of the field. One of those legends, to me and Rich both, is the one and only Sam Glansman. In this episode, we're going to be telling you all about a road trip we recently took to Sam Glansman's gravesite and to someone else's too, accompanied the entire time by a very, very special guest. Before we talk about the actual trip, Rich is going to fill us in on some of his background with Sam Glansman as a fan and eventually as a friend. Okay, um, I met uh, Sam Glansman at the Big Apple Con in New York City in September 2005. Uh, the biggest reason I even went on this trip was to meet him. It even affected the clothes that I wore. I was torn between my Sergeant Rock shirt and my USS Fulham DD-474 shirt. Uh, Admiral Fulham was a battleship man who was converted to the potential of air power and is my fourth cousin three times removed, according to my genealogist mother. Uh, I have to go back to like 1720 or something, you know, for the common ancestor. But uh, he was a former uh, superintendent at Annapolis. You know, he has a, has a street named after him there. And uh, World War II destroyer named after him for that. So we all know Sam was a destroyer man. And so I decided to honor him by wearing that one. Uh, my first actually, first time I actually saw him though, it was uh, Sam, Dick Ayers, and Russ Heath were sitting on a DC war panel on stage. Okay, and well, dear God, that's awesome. Okay, go ahead. There will be a, a picture of that uh, in the folder, you know, for this episode. Yeah, and I wish I could remember what exactly set him off, but Sam suddenly interrupts Russ and starts talking about the war, about seeing guys being crushed and blown up, and then the tears came. He, he placed his head on the, on the table and just cried. You could hear a pin drop in this room. It was a very sobering display. No one knew what to do. Sam soon composed himself enough to get up and leave, but not before he made the comment that one of the biggest reasons he drew was to honor the guys on his ship. And after he left, there was still a real awkward silence. And Will Franz, uh, the moderator that uh, him and Sam worked together with on the Lonely War of uh, Willie Schultz, I said he'd known uh, Sam for a very long time, and he had never seen him that emotional. Once the, the panel was over with, with the rest of the creators, uh, I returned to the main floor. I hunted Sam down. And, yeah, you know, I was almost disappointed to discover there was no line in front of his table. I mean, this just irritates you when all-time greats have no line in front of them. Sam's wife, Sue, was uh, right next to him. He was great. He noticed my shirt right away, so I told him the story of Admiral Fulham, and they were all impressed and everything. So I, whenever I go to a, a show, I always bring, you know, like a half a dozen books, you know, to, to have the artist sign. One of the books I pulled out was his autobiographical work, A Sailor's Story. And when I placed that in front of him, he complained about the finished product. He said the, the colors were all messed up, and some editor had screwed up the term uh, tin can sailors, which is a, a term that they use for, for destroyer seamen. And uh, he made a tin can soldiers. That really irritated him. <laughs> he asked for permission to correct it on my copy, and I said, oh, my God, sure, be my guest. Uh, he also signed uh, his copy, uh, my copy of his first Haunted Tank episode, which was a GI Combat 154. While he was signing, he asked me if I'd been at the panel, and I replied, yes, yes, I had been. He then asked me if I thought he'd been too rough on the other guys. 
And I was quick to reply that he had uh, what I should have told him at the time, but didn't really think of it until later, was that he'd earned the right 60 years ago to say whatever the hell he wanted in regard to war. Uh, his opinion was that someone who serves in the armed forces shouldn't be called a vet unless they see combat. This took place about five years before I joined the Army, so for full disclosure. Someone offered to take a picture of me standing next to Sam. Problem was, we were standing on opposite sides of a very long table with no easy way around. So I offered to crawl under the table because, you know, I'm younger and I'm here to see him. He counters by offering to crawl under the table because he's smaller than I am, about shoulder height. We go back and forth about who's crawling underneath the table, and finally he Finally, he fires at me, are you calling me old? And he just falls to his knees and crawls underneath the table before I can protest to the applause of several bystanders. He you know, hops up next to me with this big, you know, goofy grin on his face. He's standing on his tiptoes. This, will be, this is going to be another picture that's going to be in the folder later. Even on his tiptoes, he's just barely above shoulder height <laughs> on me. You know, we took a couple of pictures together. It was, it was just a really, really great experience. A great experience. And I bought a couple of pieces of original arm off of him, uh, shook his hand. Thanked him for his service. It was just an incredible experience, just just having the opportunity to, to, to meet Sam, or just was. Now, did he crawl back under the table or walk all the way around to go back to his seat? Uh, <laughs> honestly, I don't remember. Knowing him, I could completely believe that he crawled back under the table. <laughs> yeah, it seems about right. He was a character. I mean, he, just, he just was. So. so after that, did you have um, much more contact with Sam? Like, did you see him again? Um, did you did was it did you see him at another con or anything like that? Like I, how did the um how did the contact go forward from there? I I, I may have seen him at another con. Or maybe it was um, I got Sam to sign a, a total of uh, ten of my books. You know the aforementioned sailor story. Got him on a Jonah Hex. I know you want to do a Jonah Hex story someday. It'll probably have to be one that Sam did. Hell yeah! Uh, issue of combat. Uh, a bunch of GI combats, a bunch of Sergeant Rocks, including one where uh, Rock, it was uh, Rock of the Art Iron Major, which is which which was an awesome team. Uh, well, actually, I think it was a team up if, if I remember the episode correctly. The Iron Major is awesome. <laughs> uh, and I also got Sam in a couple of books with uh, Dick Ayers, Fred Hembeck, and Russ Heath. You know, for like whatever works they all shared in certain episodes. The old, the old expression that everyone lives somewhere. I only live about ninety miles away from where the Glansmans live. And I offered to help out if they ever needed anything. I sent, you know, Christmas cards and stuff like that. Uh, not surprisingly, Sam never needed any help. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I heard through the grapevine when Sam died and I was able to go to his, um, his funeral service in 2017. Uh, I had my, 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 my uh, dress uniform on and everything. I had Tim Truman at my table at the, so at the uh, social gathering afterwards. And we talked quite a bit. He was, he was a real nice guy. Uh, Willie Franz was there also. And I stayed in touch with Sue afterwards. I just kept, you know, because, you know, she's a, you know, a 70 some odd year old now, widow. Sue was uh, Sam's wife at the time. So yeah. Sue's Sam's widow. Huh? And, you know, it's, it's, you know, living out, you know, out in the middle of nowhere, you know, by herself. You know, it's just like, if you ever need anything, please, here's my phone number. Call me up you know, and I'll be more than happy to come down here and help you out. And... Wow, lo and behold, I remember quite clearly the one day the phone rang and the caller ID said, same plans. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a moment you didn't see coming in your life, right? You know? Well, yeah, it was just like, hey, I'm taking this one. And I, I've got, I went down there a couple of times. There was some sort of snafu with the Veterans Administration getting Sam's headstone. It took them forever to finally get it and finally get it placed and everything else like that. He's buried in the same cemetery as his father who served in World War One 
Sean and uh, one of his brothers. They had a long-haired dachshund, and I had a long-haired dachshund. So I brought my dog down there for Sue to meet and play with and stuff like that. You know, she she a huge dog family. I brought my son, my wife down there, and just you know whatever needed doing. You know, I was I was always perfectly willing to help out, take her places and everything. Back in uh, 2019, I took her and my son on a road trip to uh, Randolph, New Jersey, to visit Joe Kubert's grave. You know, she she Sue had always wanted to visit, but uh, her and Sam had never been able to go before Sam died. At the Joe Kubert School is only like a few miles up the hill. You know, she's got a, a photo of Sam and Joe on her fridge. Yeah, it's, that photo is in one of the books you have in your house that I saw. Yeah, the that big, thick hardcover of the complete collection of the USS Stevens. Uh, there's a there's a, a picture of Joe and Sam inside it, and you look at that cover and it, it look at the photo. I mean, and it's bam, it's 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 in the it's in the driveway. I mean, like you, yeah, I recognized where that was immediately. Yeah, <laughs> and they were they were like really really close when uh, you know, Sue said when uh, when Sam got word that Joe had died, he was. He was really, really torn up about that. He was one of his, his best friends. Sue, Sue thinks that that may have started Sam's decline, actually, is uh, fi- uh, finding out that Joe had passed. Yeah, that, so, that is often something that kicks that off, unfortunately. And as yeah. you said, Joe and Sam were pretty close. Yeah. And I mentioned in uh, episode two how Joe Sinnott and Sam were buddies. And Sue didn't know Joe was still alive until I told her. You know, you know, blown away. We had all these plans to get everyone together at the 2020 Albany Comic Con. I mean, I'd reached out to the uh, to the show's coordinators. I s- explained who I was, what I wanted to do. They're all they're like, <laughs> they were 100 percent on board. You know, they were they were looking forward to it almost as much as we were. But as we all know, what happened in 2020, COVID jacked that up. The, the con was canceled, and Joe died a few months later. Uh, he's buried in his hometown of Saugerties, New York, which is about 90 minutes away from Sue lives. I wanted to see Sinnott's grave. Sue wanted to see Sinnott's grave. Max wanted to see Sinnott's grave and Sam's grave. And so a plan was formed. As they often are. Yeah, um, when you told me all of this over the last couple of years um, about getting to know Sue, being at Sam's funeral, you know, getting a call on your phone that had Sam's name on it. Just to me, it's all this is so incredibly surreal, having grown up, you know, into all these comics for decades and, you know, getting really into especially Sam Glansman's art after meeting you and to have all this swirling around our lives is something I never saw coming. And then here I am talking to you about, okay, travel restrictions are lightening up. We're all vaccinated. How about we take a road trip with Sue Glansman to see Joe Sinnott's grave? Not a sentence I ever thought I'd be listening to her saying out loud. <laughs> nevertheless, there we were putting it together. And um, I had a reason to come to New York in early June to a friend's father's memorial that was likewise delayed because of COVID. And then after that, you know, that Friday night was free to go down to your place so we could get up at the, you know, reasonable hour and head down to Saugerties to drop off my car. And then we just kept, you know, putting it together from there. So let's, uh, let's say like, um, what happened that weekend? It, you know, this, as we're recording this, this was just, just a few days ago, really. This was the, the weekend before the Tuesday night we're recording this. I went to, to, as I said, to upstate New York to a friend's father's memorial on Friday and did the after funeral memorial gathering with them that afternoon, drove down to good old Clifton Park and uh, jumped into your place to meet you and your son, Stephen. And we had some dinner 
you know, went out for, for some, some hot dogs to an amazing place and then commenced to getting back to your place to have a bit of a, bit of a Sam Glansman-a-thon. So, uh, you know, how, let's, uh, let's talk about how that all went. Yeah, we, um, you know, I, I had the next couple issues of uh, Weird War out, you know, working on the scripts and stuff like that. So Max is like, hey, you know, so flip, flipping through those just to get a, an early look about uh, what's coming down the pike. Yeah, people. Rich is always about two full issues ahead of doing the script, ahead of me being ready to uh, actually do my part, let alone record. So uh, that was his way of going, hey, check these out. This this is what you should already have done. Well, I got I got summer activities and stuff coming up. You know, Uncle Sam was going to want me for a couple of weeks and everything else like that. So I at least like having some stuff in the bank. You know how that goes. But um, and when we, um, one of the, the last times I'd gone and visited Sue, uh, she had this, just this mound of uh, like original art from like the comic books and uh, sketches and reproductions and stuff like that, you know, from GI combat and, and everything of Sam's. And you know, I dug through the pile and my son dug through the pile and stuff like that. I just came back with with just a bunch of stuff. And one of the most fantastic grabs that I, that I pulled out of this stack was the, you'll never see it again, folks, except for in the photo file for this episode, a Sam Glansman drawn Batman. Ask me if you've ever seen that before. You got two Sam Glansman Batman drawings that I saw that night and three. Uh, oh, well, I do. You, do you have three? I, I remember yeah. two. There was there was the one where where you know you know bats is slugging the guy in the teeth and teeth are flying. Um, there's the one where you know it's it's it's, it's just the uh, the cowl a headshot. And then there was a really cool scene that he did where there's like an old man self portrait in an alley holding a cane like you want some. And there's these two thugs that are like squaring off with him and you know coming over the coming, you know, swinging down from the building behind him is bats, you know, coming in towards, uh, towards the bad guys. Yeah, so I find these in the stack, and I'm like, oh, can I have these? I can? You're the best, Sue. <laughs> See, somehow I forgot about the one with the teeth flying, so I'm, I'm going to be looking forward to seeing that's the photos actually, get posted, too. That's actually the one that I scanned. You know, that's actually the one that's going to be in the folder, you know, so you'll, you will see that. Right on. You know, he's, he's, you know, Max is just digging through all the, you know, the pile of stuff and everything, and we were talking about, you know, you know, some of the titles, some of the books that Sam had worked on. And I'm pulling out, you know, combat and I'm pulling out, you know, uh, World War. I'm pulling out Air Wars. You know, you're like, you know, you're like, you know, a couple of uh, uh, Charlton books, Charlton books that Sam had worked on. You're all like, whoa. I wasn't aware of how much Charlton work Sam did. And I'm a huge, as people might know, Charlton horror comics fan, like big time. So the fact that he did so much work, like I need every issue of that Hercules series. I'm getting that collection as soon as I can. <laughs> but just the Charlton War books he worked on, I never heard of the Lonely War of Willie Schultz before that night. This was like a real bringing me up to speed kind of meeting too, because I've been in on the Stevens stuff. I've been in on his Weird War work and some of uh, Sam's other stuff. But as we'll get to, there's there's stuff I just didn't know about before this meeting and this road trip. And man, like I said, the Batman drawings, you had some scans of original artwork pages that are just beautiful to look at. You got a little Sam museum starting in your basement right now. Well, that was what I almost forgot. I had this, this little cardboard box set off to one side. I'm like, oh, geez, man. And so I go and I pull up and I grab this box and I you know, bring it over to where you are, pop it open. And there are three hand models. Of yes. Art, a Sherman tank, a Panzer, a Panzer IV, and a Tiger. And these sat 
on Sam's desk for a visual reference whenever he was drawing like a GI combat story or something like that. So again, you know, when I was told I could have these, I was like, oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I mean, when I saw those things, it's like, you, I'm afraid to even touch them. Like these things were actual objects that were being handled by Sam while he was working on a story and drawing some of the stuff that we've been looking at all these years. And he's sitting there positioning these and using them as reference to, to make that art. Like it's just, to me, it's like, that's like an Indiana Jones moment for me. Like I'm <laughs> handling an artifact, you know, is, is just ridiculous. It's a much more profound experience than I ever expected to have in your basement. You know, not to make it awkward, but Hey, <laughs> hey I said profound, not, you know, some other adjective that we can't get into, but, but yeah, you know, so just showed you all that stuff, you know, uh, made sure it's, you know, made sure you had like all the Sam Glansman reading material you could handle when, when uh, time came to go to bed that night and everything it was a fun night i mean it, it was when's the last time we had a night like that probably 20 years or something like that it's, yeah it's, it's been, been too day. long and just you know really uh, like I, I sort of mentioned before you had these scans of just a couple original pages by him and i forget the issue that one of them was from but that one page and i'm going to ask you to take a picture of it for the episode where i was talking about how whatever the script was thrown at Sam, there was a ton of information that needed to be on this one page. And the way he handled it with the panel layouts, the decision about where to drop the borders out, where to drop this giant editor's note that he was saddled with, using yeah, a pop-out panel, just the that. compositional skills beyond his skill as an artist just illustrating things. The way he laid out a page was just incredible. And that was one of the best examples I'd ever seen. Just some really amazing stuff. And yeah, seeing a Sam Glansman, not, not just a Sam Glansman, but a few Sam Glansman Batman drawings made me wish there were a thousand more of those things. That looked like a <laughs> Batman book I would have read for a long time. Yeah, well, he, he never did a whole lot with the superhero thing either. He only did like maybe one or two early on. That was it. Everything else was Westerns or war books or whatever. So. Like I was saying that night, like um, his Batman is had what I called the Jim Apero Batman physique. Like he wasn't a tank. He looked like a guy who was in excellent shape, but was acrobatic. He was focused on movement. He was more of the Dark Knight detective type than Superman in a Batman suit. And that it's just everything about it. The way he drew the cowl, it was all just, well, you, you, you know, the listeners will see these these incredible drawings you know for themselves but it's it's just hard to even describe how cool this stuff is so that was just that was just the night before the trip and you took me on a little tour reminding me of some of the stuff that you you already have in the house and had had for years like you said that the hardcover USS Stevens collection the sailor stories that Sam scribbled out the word soldiers you know and put oh, sailors sailor, in yeah. it was cuz he really scribbled that out like you could oh, tell yeah, he was he, he was pissed and I, and I get that completely. You know, was, there was, go on, you know, that, that's your classic, you know, inter-service rivalry. You know, if I'm, if I'm a sailor, I don't want to be called a soldier. <laughs> you know, totally different uniform. Absolutely. That, that wasn't just one line drawn through. That was like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, like, like good responsible adults, we hit the sack, got up the next day to uh, hit the road. Take it from there, man. What was, what was our journey the next morning? Okay, well, uh, you hadn't been to Stewart's in a while, so we went and you know loaded up on Shaw for Stewart's. Uh, you 
followed me down to Sardis, which is about an hour and a half. No, about an hour. It's a little bit, a little over an hour. Sorry. Yeah, it's about an hour. We, we traveled in convoy just because it would be once the day was over, you could just hop in your car and go, you know, bano back home. And rather than having to double all the way back up to Clifton Park and everything else, it was just going to make your life a little bit easier. Yeah, I had to go home that night, and Sagardy's is pretty close to the Mass Pike. I'm in Rhode Island. So, yeah, we drop off my car, and then the plan is we're going to ride up to Maryland to Sue's place and pick her up. So we hop in the car, and your GPS did something to us. Uh, yeah, I think I may have missed an early turn. So it, because uh, we were you know, shooting the bull and everything. So the GPS like, oh, okay, be that way. I'm going to take you this way instead. And yeah, this took us through some New York State Park lane and a half, no stripe on the road, no guardrail over the you know 300 foot vertical dive into the into the river below. <laughs> yeah, we um, went over almost as terrifying a mountain road as I've ever been over. Lots of twists and turns and everything else. And, <laughs> Luckily, yeah. I was on the passenger side and it never turned, so I got a nice view of the cliff drop because I don't do too good with heights. So, uh, See, well, th- this was kind of going back in the way back machine for us because I used to like my my uh, my great grandparents had bought a place on Lake George back like in the 1920s, and we would go up to that place quite often in the summertime and twisty mountain roads you know, up in the Adirondacks. And I've been driving these roads forever, so here I am doing this this tight boy tight corner, you know, 65 miles an hour, you know, one hand on the wheel, like, and Max, Max is holding onto the holy shit handle, like ah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Let's let's not let's not get it twisted with the listeners here. Rich comes from what I'd call an autocross driving family, and he knows, and he knew back then that I don't have such a great stomach for vertigo. So he's doing this on purpose and taking the corners as tightly as he possibly can, and giggling the whole way while I turn a decent shade of greenish white, holding on for dear life to the handle and the passenger seat. When I had my great '80s fast rock mixed going too. Yeah. <laughs> so on this trip, we didn't take quite as much, yeah. uh, as many well, chances because we had something important to do. Well, and I, and I wasn't familiar with this particular road or anything anyway, but yeah. So, so yeah, so we, so we get, we get to Sue's. It's a mobile home out in the you know, middle of nowhere. You know, it's up on this hill, lots, lots of pine trees, lots of, there's no one around. It is, it is just the kind of place that you would envision Sam would have liked to have settled down. I mean, you're looking at the property and it's like, you know what, I could totally see Sam on a riding mower going, going around and taking care of this place. It's just a gorgeous plot of land that they ended up on. She saw, she saw us pull up and then Sue comes out and everything. And, you know, we do all the, all the introductions and everything. Talk for a little bit on the porch and she invites us in. And I think you should uh, talk about your experiences to walking into the Glansman household because it's more... Yeah, so my first time walking in, you know, like Sue kind of had heard my name before she knew I was coming. And I'm just, at first, I'm like, well, this is going to be kind of awkward and I'm going to be nervous. None of that happened. Sue was incredibly chill, welcomed me in like she knew me as well as she knew you. And I step into this place and it's just, it's just amazing. There was art on the walls. There was art, as, as we'll talk about, in the very furniture of this place. It, this was an incredible experience. Sam made a lot of the furniture. Yeah. And that's something we'll get to. I did not know 
that Sam was such a good carpenter and cabinetry guy and that he spent so much of his life being a professional carpenter and woodworker. I had no idea about any of that. So I'm looking around at these things and Sue is telling me that Sam built this cabinet in the 50s and it's as sturdy as it was the day he made it. And then there's, like I said, there's the art that's hanging on the walls in this place and some of it's Sam's paintings, but some of it was his mother's paintings and some his brother, who is a fine art painter whose work is hanging in museums. None of this did I know about before I stepped into that house. I knew that Sam Glansman drew really cool comics that I liked. I knew Richard made friends with the family. And that's, that's it. And I step in and I find out that art ran pretty deep in the Glansman jeans and his mother's paintings were beautiful. His brothers looked like you would think like a, like a Renaissance era fine art painter. And that wasn't even the, the half of it. We're, we're going around looking at Sue's got a shelf, of course, of tons of Sam's work. She's got a refrigerator full of pictures of the family and friends. Dogs. And, lots and, and lots of dogs. And yes. Including my dogs. two. My yeah. two. <laughs> <laughs> and on that refrigerator is that photo of Sam Glansman and Joe Kubert. As I told you a would be. Yep, right there dead center on the, on the fridge. That The one that's inside the USS Stevens hardcover collection that everybody should run out and get. And we're, we're just walking around and she's casually showing me these things that are blowing my mind. She's welcoming me like like again, like I'm just a friend that hasn't stopped by in a couple of weeks. And even though it's the first day we met. So eventually we get around to Sue's like, I have some stuff I'd like you to do. Some some little errands and things you could help me with while you guys are here. And we're like, sure. And she's like, well, we got to move a, a futon from one room to the other. And we're in, we go into one room, into the bedroom of the house. And She's like, yeah, open those doors over there. And to me, they look like closet doors set into the wall. And so I open them and there's a whole other room behind it. It was like opening a secret door. And I step into that room and Rich and Sue both casually inform me that I'm now standing in Sam Glansman's art studio. The room where it happened. Yeah, just I'm standing there like no one warned me that this was going to happen, that that's what was behind those doors. And that's where I would be standing. And there's the desk, there's the painting of the Stevens, there's all these piles of drawings and stuff like that, boxes of stuff on shelving and stuff like that. And you're just all like, hey. <laughs> I'm just stunned. Like I, I had, you know, I must've known in somewhere in my mind that Sam's studio is probably in this house somewhere, but you, especially Sue, but you both kind of set me up for that moment. Like, oh yeah, the futon's in there. And I'm like inside this closet. I open the doors like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> and there's this whole art studio. And so, yeah, we check that out for a while. We move the food time. We do a couple other things for her. Help out around the place, you know, make ourselves somewhat useful. And, um, you know, again, we're, we're there. We're, we're in the studio looking at things, talking about Sam, just trading stories back and forth about our experiences as comic book fans, as, you know, at least mine and her experiences with, with Sam and, you know, we we bring up Joe Sinnott. We we bring up their friendship. We talk about Joe Kubert. Again, it's just a surreal experience for me, especially, again, I have to mention, I don't care how many times, how easy Sue made this experience. Again, it just felt like I've known her forever. She just took me in. It took us in to talk to us like she's always known us. But and when when um, when we got there, there was she had those three magazines on the kitchen table, and one of them was one of the current uh, 
collections, reprints of, uh, of Sam's air war stories. And that was yours, you know, that, you know, here, here you go, you know, flip through it and, you know, a piece of a uh, glansman stuff, you know, you know, right from, right from the hands of the widow. Yeah. She's incredibly generous. It's just, uh, you know, and of course I left that book there. And, um, well, I accident. grabbed it. I have it. You'll get it eventually <laughs> yeah, after yeah, I but, read it. <laughs> she's just incredibly generous with her time and with her stories and, and with, you know, stuff like that. And it was just an incredible experience. I could have stayed there just hanging out at the house and walking around the property all day. Well, the, uh, the one thing I'm, I'm surprised you, you, kind, of, you kind of missed was uh, that one picture on the wall. We're all familiar with, with uh, American Gothic. This is this is Glansman Gothic. It's it's him and Sue in the, the pitchfork house in the background pose, and that's another picture that's going to be in the folder, you know, for uh, for this for this broadcast. Yeah, I'm hoping as many paintings as you took uh, pictures of that you want to like, just go for, because everything in that place, everywhere you turned, was something cool. And yes, the Glansman Gothic thing showed a little bit of Sam's sense of humor. Not alone. <laughs> Not not just his skill, but it was just funny because they were dead on likenesses. And of course, it's Sam, so the, the quality of the painting was great. But just the fact that he put that much effort into something that's, you know, kind of kind of a joke on one level. Just very cool to see. You just turn and, it, and there it is. It's American Gothic, but it's Sam and Sue. Again, just everywhere you turned in this place, because this is the home of a decades practicing artist, a World War II vet who wasn't just a two-dimensional artist, but a three-dimensional one too, making the furniture, just some of the furniture and fixtures in the house by hand. Everywhere you looked was, was something that Sam or his brother or his mother had made with their own hands. It, it just felt like the, the imposter syndrome was, was kicking in hard. Like, I'm just some guy you know, that read too many comic books. I should not be standing here, you know? <laughs> and she did not make me feel that way at all. I oh, really she, thought- she is, a, she is a trip. I mean, she is she is such a fantastic person. Yeah, just really funny, really easy to talk to, uh, has a story, has a comment, and just made us feel completely comfy. And then at some point we decided, hey, we gotta get cracking here, so- We got places to go. Yeah, so, so we headed out to Sam's uh, gravesite and hung out there for a bit. It's uh, the cemetery. It's it's the Maryland cemetery. It's pretty small, a couple hundred, maybe a couple hundred graves. Uh, one of those tiny little cemeteries you drive past, you know, half a dozen of them, and you're driving through the countryside and you don't even look twice. And again, you know, this was where you know I've been to Sam's service here. It took a while for his for his marker to get installed, but uh, you know, uh, we we drove up, we parked the car as close as we could. A little on the uphill side. And Max was quite the gentleman. He offered his arm to Sue, and because she she has a cane, and uh, helped her, you know, down the embankment towards uh, the Glansman plot. And this yeah. is, you know, don't let it get out. But I'm actually kind of a nice guy. Yeah, secret safe for me, pal. But <laughs> <laughs> this is like right after Memorial Day weekend. So the so the graves of all the vets in the cemetery have U.S. flags, you know, flying over them. Like I said, uh, Sam's dad was uh, Gustav Glansman. He was a staff sergeant and served in World War One. He'd been gassed. He died in 1985. Uh, he, his is the center of the three stones. Uh, his brother, David, is off to the one side. He was a World War II vet also. He died in 2013, I think, if I remember correctly. And then uh, Sam is on the other side. 
Samuel J. Glansman, WT-2, U.S. Navy, World War II, WT-2, that was his rate. Water tender second class. He was one of the guys down the bowels of the ship making sure everything was still purring. December 5, 1924, July 12th, 2017. And I had visited, I mean, I've, I've been to Sam's grave you know, a couple of times. And uh, I put a, a challenge coin on his marker years ago. And it's still there. Because Sue knew that I put it there, so she doesn't pick it up, and no one else cares. You know, you know people walk around, I mean, believing they leave the pennies and the dimes and nickels and stuff on people's headstones, and that stuff disappears. But this coin has been there for three, four years. It's still there. You know, there are some weathered roses from, from Sue's last visit. Now, to um, the uninformed and outsiders like myself, uh, tell people what a challenge coin is quickly, if you can, man. Uh, well, it can be it can be interpreted a, a couple of different ways. It's, it can be a unit pride thing. If you go to a bar and you know someone digs into his pocket and slams the coin on the table, it, it's kind of like a, a challenge that everyone else here better have the coin. Because if someone doesn't have the coin, they're paying for the drinks. But if everyone has their coin, because you lay the challenge down and you lost, then then you got a pony up. A different way of playing that is uh, who has the highest ranking coin. Because the, my highest ranking, I got uh, coined by a major general once on an exercise a two-star general and some people are like that's nothing you know I, I know guys that got coined by like the secretary of defense they got you know the pilot of air force one i mean you know uh, all kind of interesting uh, interesting coins like that so the highest ranking coin is would be the uh, the guy that doesn't have to pay for the drinks yeah so these are like these are big metal coins they're like bigger than a 50 cent piece they're they're pretty big it's from the one i saw they vary they, they're generally about the size of an eisenhower dollar if that doesn't date how old I am, I don't know. <laughs> well, I have no I idea see. what that is because I am 24 years old. No, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Times, times, t- times two. Times well, two I, and a I, half. Eisenhower dollars are like the, like the largest coins, I think, that we, we ever came out with. I mean, you look at the bottom of like a, like a beer bottle or something like that, and it's, it was about that size. It is a big heavy clunky coin now in so my it's, usual um sorry man but in my usual like sort of irreverent take on on certain things even though we're talking about sam's gravesite here the challenge coins with the rankings what i held back that day is i'm like so this is kind of like pogs for the military you know like you're <laughs> you're comparing who's got the coolest challenge coin and laying them down and all that and you get them from different people and they look different or something like they're they're graded differently it's kind of like an uh, like an unofficial attaboy you know, quite often, you know, if you don't get a, like an official, like, you know, medal or something like that, you can get um, unit commanders, battalion commanders, you know, command, command sergeants, major. I've got some really, really cool ones in my rack upstairs, like die cut ones in the shape of a howling wolf and everything. They're just, there's, there's, there's a definite art form to a lot of these coins. But, All right, um, cool. So yours was still there yeah, after yeah, several years. Yeah. It was, uh, I, I do uh, World War II reenacting. It's, this was a coin I had bought that uh, had the, the 99th Infantry Division um, crest on it. And I had a whole bunch of them and I gave them out to everyone in my unit and everything. And I, I had to leave one at, at Sam's grave just to let them know that I'd been there. And as I said, it's, it's, the, the, the protective coating is starting to show its age. It's starting to turn a little you know, yellow and brown and stuff like that. But the, the fact is, it's still there. I left a, a red poppy, red plastic poppy behind, gave him the old salute. We, we stood there for a while. I mean, because Sue, Sue was talking about, you know, the three guys and you were talking to her and everything. Sue has this idea because it's just the three flat stones. She would like to get a nice b- big vertical stone and have like the USS Stevens or the Haunted Tank or something etched, engraved 
whatever in the back of it, you know, for Sam at some point. That's just in the in the discussion phase right now. But you know, there's people out there that could make that happen. So what did the? Oh yeah, yeah. That's that's got to happen at some point. Definitely. We will, uh, we will we will be in touch with her and and, and keep that idea alive. Yeah, <laughs> but, uh, yeah you, you were you were definitely having you were you were having a moment. I can tell by looking at you. You were having a moment when we were standing there. You're just looking down at Sam's grave, and you're just it's all like, just incredible, man. For yeah. me to again, like it's one thing to be in Sam's house talking to Sue, getting the tour, getting pranked getting into the studio by you guys and like you know just having fun talking to her and being so chill that was surreal in its own way but standing there with her looking down at the marker for not just sam but his dad and his brother and hearing her tell stories and make comments and just talk with us while we're right there to me is just an unreal experience i was honored to be there i was you know again doubly honored to be welcomed by her so easily and to have the chance to stand there and and pay my respects you know i'm not at all a religious person but to me like especially because sue was there i felt like i could do something like what people call pay your respects because i was paying them to her you know and so yeah it was it was a very cool moment and yeah. that was just the start of the day really yeah, there were there were, you know they have the, the star David on their markers, and you know made sure to leave a stone on uh, on each of them. So oh yeah, and they um, on one of his brothers they had a cross. But what I yeah. found out doing some reading was that Sam's parents, um, one was Jewish, one was Catholic. Yeah, so I could see well, how a little confusion could happen, but I don't well, know if that's part of it at all. Well, I talked to Sue about it once, and she said that was a, that was a mess a, a mess up. And they said David's marker should have had a star david on it. you know i don't know if it's worth the hassle or how deeply she cares about you know maybe wanting to get a change someday it's probably no big deal one way or the other i mean but yeah that that that's kicked sue and i off into talking about again these th- talk about surreal we ended up talking about the origins of the comic book industry and how deeply jewish they are and oh know, yeah it's a, that that's yeah, that the conversation, conversation that we're having uh, one of the conversations we were having <laughs> at sam's gravesite i was just standing up through sheer uh willpower at that point you know just just so now this was this is the funny thing we'll back up a little bit you see originally your plan was to follow me to Sue's, do everything in maryland follow me to Saugerties, and then you could just don't you know take off you know back to rhode island that way but my wife gave me the idea and i strongly agreed with it that you're just going to miss out on too much by not being in the car with, with me and Sue. So I talked you into it, which is why we went to Saugerties first. As usual, one of the wives knew better. And you know, I'm not the best planner in the world by far. We were just in the car we went. And like I said, uh, there was no, no like hour and a half. GBS took us a different way. And we're just talking about everything in the damn world. You know, just whatever topic happens to happens to come up. Yeah, even was, just on the way down, like going through some towns that she hadn't driven down through in a while, and just commenting on the architecture. Just, just you know, like the, the fact that she hadn't been down this road in a while, and here we are. And then this time we wouldn't we didn't take her over the side of a mountain, folks. This time we we went the right way and went and saw how peaceful and scenic and and settled our journey could have been the first time. But you know, she she was really getting a kick out of seeing. You know, the towns that we drove through on the way down. And, you know, at some point we even pulled over and had lunch before. Uh, and it was kind of on, on the on the schedule anyway to get something to eat before we hit Socrates. And we let her pick a place out at random on the side of the road, pulled over and sat down and had lunch with her and, and 
continued chatting and having a good time. It was just a hell of a trip. Yeah, it was, it was, it was near Punter Mountain, I think it was. It was this, this bar right by one of the two uh, major ski mountains uh, down that way. Back into the car and into, down into uh, down into Saugerties. And, you know, following the, you know, GPS uh, directions quite religiously. A lot of twisty, turny roads once you start getting down by the river. And this was this was a hot day. This was like the, the, the hottest day that we had had so far this year. It was like, what, 94 or something like that? Yeah. It was, it was yeah. getting kind of toasty. You know, it was a bit, a, bit, a bit sunny out. Get to the cemetery, and this is the first visit, you know, for all of us. And I, I've, I've got some pretty good cemetery chops. I always got to, because I, I go to cemeteries, I explore military graves, do research and stuff like that. I've gotten some incredible stories uh, doing research just on some simple markers that I've seen in cemeteries throughout the world. It's a, it's a relatively small cemetery. It's like, like less than like 4,000 burials and stuff. You can see one end to the other. And I'd had a picture of Joe Sinnott's marker you know, from, from finding grave. It's a vertical black marker with Sinnott and everything else on it. So it's like, okay, well, this should be relatively easy to find. Keyword should, <laughs> because it wasn't, it never is. We were even questioning if we weren't were in the right cemetery at first. This yeah, was, I mean, um, that findagrave.com or whatever, we're looking at the picture and we're like, okay, you can see that yellow house across the street over there behind it as a tree. So we kind of eventually zeroed in on the sector we were supposed to be in, but still, it's still something to be wandering around a cemetery in 94 degree heat. Well, we were, you know, you know, Sue very quickly retreated back to the car just to get in some shade and everything. Yeah, again, just smarter than us. Yeah, right. And eventually, you know, you know, I figured out, it's like, okay, well, there's the house. There's like, looks like there's three trees in this photo. So you're just trying to figure out and back up. I'm backing up, backing up, backing up, backing up. And then bang, there it is. I see it. And so, you know, so you, you know, you, you go off and get Sue and we all come over to Joe Sennett's marker. And there's, <laughs> we, we got to tell you guys, I mean, Joe's marker is just masterclass. I mean, on the back, it says he drew the comics and it has the thing, Thor, and Spider-Man in the Joe Sinnott style etched in the back with his signature scrawled on, on the bottom between, between Thor and Spider-Man. Yeah, this to thing my, is masterful. Yeah, to my eternal shame, we go to a, a cemetery and there is a, there is a tombstone with the thing drawn by Joe Sinnott on the back and I couldn't find it. <laughs> like that, that this thing was built for me to stand next to it and i could have wandered around that place all day until rich pointed you know finally located this thing so i could go get sue and it it was amazing looking like the front of the marker as you guys will see on the websites um and on twitter and facebook is pretty traditional and there was a little shrine that of of items people had left in front of it you know some action figures a caricature of joe yeah um, um let's yeah. see here I, I got it i got the picture up here somewhat there was a you know, character of joe wearing a san francisco giants hat and then little figurines of uh two there was a silver surfer looks like dr doom and two crouching spider-mans we're all just you know right underneath the corner of the marker that said father joseph l october 16 1926 june 25th 2020 and his wife is buried there and uh, one of his daughters is buried there and Sue was like, oh, geez, I knew I didn't know Linda had passed. And you know, it was his daughter. And was, how, how old was his daughter? His daughter was died in 2000. So it was like, what, like 
47 or she something was like in that. her she 40s was, i think yeah. so it was pretty pretty like uh, of course i didn't know any of this and no, it's pretty hard that. to think of of joe losing a daughter who was in her 40s 20 years ago you know just there's things you know it's not like i was friends of the senate family so the things you find out when you go on a trip like this is just pretty sobering like and like as you're leading up to his his brother was there too who was yeah. a vet who did not get to to live to a ripe old age yeah when i was doing the uh, the research you know for uh, for joe i was up the the cemetery specific page on find a grave i just typed in senate and i actually see um sergeant john f senate and just again with, with with the hobbies that i have and the interests that i have there's certain things that just always that automatically automatically make your your, your hair stand up on end a little bit and all i had to do was see a date that said 1944 like oh no and yeah, I went and I looked. John F. Sinnott, Sergeant, U.S. Army, World War II, September 8th, 1923, August 28th, 1944. Company A, 15th Infantry, 3rd Division, KIA, Casino, Anzio, Rome, Southern France. So what that tells me is he, he lived through the, the savage fighting in Italy for Casino and Anzio. He saw the liberation of Rome. And then about two weeks after Operation Dragoon, after the Allied landing in southern France, he gets killed. And that was another, I, le- I left a, a red poppy on his marker. I, le- I left one on, on, on Joe's marker too. But yeah, so, so you know, Joe, Joe lost a brother. In, in and World so War young too, just uh, like 20 years old. 20, 22 or something? Yeah, yeah, like in his early 20s. Yeah, and just, just amazing. Just, you know, just sobering to be standing there at Joe's brother's grave who passed in 1944. Not just passed, but died in the war. And just, I, I don't know if Sue already knew about that or not, but but to me... I don't, I don't think she yeah. did because, yeah, no, she didn't because she, she, she made a comment once that uh, Joe didn't talk about his brother. He didn't talk about didn't talk about the war or anything. One of the little uh, unexpected finds at Joe's grave was that since his uh, page had gone up on finding grave, his uh, VA marker had been installed. His veterans marker. Joseph L. Sinnott, MM3, U.S. Navy. That's a motor machinist mate, third class. October 16, 1926, June 25th, 2020. 137th CBs, Okinawa. So yeah, so he was Navy. He was in one of the CB battalions uh, on Okinawa at the end of the war. I believe he was a truck driver, and I think he was like 18 at the time when he was doing that. So that was that was that was pretty neat to find that also. So I, I made sure I took a photo of that and I added it to his um, his entry on his find a grave page. So now everyone can see it. Yeah, we don't just use the website, people, and by we I mean Rich, but we make it better. But yeah, I thought that was cool. I didn't obviously know about any of that stuff, like the find a grave service. Like this is this is your thing. And I, I think it's cool that like people who want to travel to these sites to pay respects and to learn and, and, and you know, and to do that sort of thing, have a resource like that and that they can also add to it to help other people and to, to show like you, like you got to add the veterans marker to it. I just thought it was cool. Well, there's um, one thing you could do is, is uh, you can pay, you can actually pay your respects on these pages. You know, they have all kinds of like, uh, like flower emojis and stuff like that, you know, flags, flowers, toys, stars, you know, you know, whatever. And they do have a veterans page, you know, like uh, branch specific flags, you know, poppies, boots, dog tags, you know, whatever. I left one on Sam's, I left one on Joe's, I left one on John's. Uh, I just, uh, I've, I've made the rounds, you know, for 
for all, all five of these guys that we're talking about today. You know, when, especially when we brought Sue over to Joe's marker and she saw that art etched into the back, that's when she really started getting the idea that she'd like to do something that looked like that for the eventual marker she'd like to put at Sam's site, you know, and we even found other pictures there. You found other pictures etched into the back of other tombstones, like other, like another ship and stuff like that to give her some ideas. She, she really was taken by that. There were a couple of Navy markers that I found, you know, uh, one had uh, the destroyer that the guy served on, you know, etched in the back. Another one had, you know, the sailor with the sea bag, you know, thrown over his shoulder and everything. And what appeared to be like a destroyer and uh, a battleship, you know, in the background, uh, sailing the seas and everything. So, yeah, so the, the options are out there. I mean, you know, if Sue wants to make this happen, this could happen. I mean, because, you know, obviously, you know, the Marvel characters are trademarked, but Marvel had no issue with you know, letting it go on, on, on Joseph's marker. So I'd have to imagine that, you know, DC's not going to get their uh, their knickers in a twist or something like that if, you know, a request is made to have a haunted tank put on a marker or something for Sam Glantz. Yeah, I'm not sure that even even Disney or Warner Brothers lawyers are going to get into the, the headstone C and D business, you know, cease and desist. <laughs> so, you know, even they have their limits. So again, it was, it was just incredible to walk around there with Sue and show her those things and as and i'm going to repeat this as many times as i feel like it because it's it's just true she was so cool to spend time with and had so many stories and she was having you know i don't want to say a good time about going to cemeteries but she really enjoyed being able to make the trip and go down and it's just very personal for her too and again she was so kind of like indulgent of us and and nice to us the whole time and just fun to talk to it was just an incredibly cool time uh you know and it's just nice to be able to let her go down and and see these things that she's been wanting to see because like you know you had set up you mentioned earlier this this reunion that was going to happen between her and joe when she found out through you that joe sinnott was still alive and you know since that didn't work out to be able to do this for her and for me to be able to be there was just incredible it was just a really cool day i'm glad you guys put this together that you both had this idea and you dragged me you know you dragged you allowed me to come along you know and hang out and i am glad that you're you know that jenny your wife came up with the idea to to make it logistically more sensible she being uh the engineer type brain <laughs> well it, it made it it made it a little yeah. bit of a longer day yeah. you know, for, me, for, for no for me because um because well, that's you know, why i said that's why i said but, yeah for you you know <laughs> not for me but uh, yeah so we um again we did with the same thing that we did at sam's grave we took a bunch we took a few photos i know at, at joe's marker and then yeah at that point i mean it was getting a little on the late side so i took you back to your car you know we shot the bull a little bit more you know at the at the, at the split up point and you know she you know she had a really really good time I mean, she would have absolutely no problem with, you know, all of us getting together again or something like that. I mean, she's got an open invitation to come up here sometime. I mean, there's a, a World War II uh, destroyer escort, the USS Slater is, you know, right down the road. You know, she would mind, you know, you know, coming up sometime looking at that. There's, there's plenty of history and stuff like, like that up here. She knows, she, she knows she's always welcome. And but, I told uh, her anytime she needs help with anything, she can just call you and your son, Steven. Yeah, yeah. put, us to, put right us to work. Yeah, so... <laughs> 
So uh, you you headed out back home, and you know, so I, I made the trip, you know, over the over the over the uh, the Catskills for a third for a third time, <laughs> and a different route this time too. I don't know what the heck the, the GPS's deal was. Every time I went over the mountain, it took me a different route. But yeah, same thing. We're just just talking, just talking, just talking, you know. And we're, we're talking about Weird War. I mentioned um, uh, Walt Simonson, you know, from uh, one of the upcoming episodes. And she was like, oh, yeah, I met him, and we were the last guy, and, and, and everything else. And, you know, got her back to her place, and there were, you know, a few more little things that needed doing. So I did that, and then um, one of the things I noticed is she had, like, three or four different places that had, like, graphic novels, comic books, crap like that, just scattered all over the place. And I'm like, how about I make your life just a little bit easier, and I actually organize everything. So that's, that's what I did. All, like, the, all the, like the, the deluxe comics and the comic books and the oddball magazines and stuff like that, I just grabbed all those. I just tossed them into, uh, into Sam's studio and all the graphic novels and stuff like that. I actually sorted by you know, title and, and put them on a shelf. So she, she had that, uh, using that collector's skill set. Oh, but, but she's, she's got like one red range here and one red range there and one red range over there. And you know, so she just you know, keep them all together. It's not if she wants to give one away to someone like you. <laughs> oh, that's right. You left it behind jerk and <laughs> i got distracted i'm not i'm not about like going to to get the haul i'm there for the experience i know and, you know so and, I, I i cleaned plus i, I, cleaned, I forget I, things really easily okay, so I, I cleaned all that stuff up for you know just made it real easy and, and you know she I, I did the old you know made the mistake of showing interest in something and i've mentioned a little while before that you know i love the adirondacks we had a place up at the adirondacks and stuff like that and apparently, uh, Sam did a couple of sketchbooks of things in the Adirondacks. You know, all kind. You know, just because you forget how big the you know, the Adirondack State Park is, and it's all kinds of like historical markers and incidences and just neat stuff. And he did he did enough of them that filled two books, and she had spares. I got one of each, and she also had a bunch of the complete Atu collection. Same thing. She had like four of those that 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 the caveman sci-fi goes into the future story arc or something. Which like I that. So had no idea up. existed. I that's another thing. I had no idea. I'd never heard even the name Atu before. But man, now that I've looked into it, I need that and I need the Kona Monarch of Monster Isle that I somehow also did not know about <laughs> that Sam worked on. Oh, so. Uh, yeah, the collected volumes, uh, two. I haven't had a chance to flip through it yet. But uh, yeah, the other two is uh, Adirondack Stories, one and two. Historical Sketches. Marty Podscotch, I guess, wrote it. But uh, Sam did all the drawing. Yeah, so again, I mean, I have these here. I haven't had an opportunity to actually sit down and flip through them. But they're, they're, yeah, they're on my short list. So. It's just so much work that I did not know existed. Just, you know, even from doing a little reading before and after the trip, but just bumbling around Sue's place, there's there's just like these artifacts that get revealed everywhere you turn. It was really an education for me and just my eyes popping out every step I took through the place. And that's one of the things too, she mentioned this a couple of times too. You know, she says she, you know, she's, she's saved a bunch of stuff of like, you know, art and drawings and stuff like that, hoping that, you know, Sam's kids will show some interest in wanting some of this stuff. And so far they haven't, you know, so they just got, so maybe she'll sit on some of this stuff. Maybe she'll, she, she's mentioned maybe in the, in the future or something like that. Maybe she'll go to a show go to a con or something like that with some help and try to sell some stuff. You know, we'll have to see how all that pans out, but. Um, yeah. The world being what it is. So it was an amazing trip. 
I mean, Sue was an incredible person to get to know and to spend the day with. And I'm sure you're certainly going to do it again. And I'd, I'd, I'd use any excuse to go and help her out and and take her any place she wants to go. It was just an amazing road trip. Like I said, people were kind of starting at the top with this first episode of the Road Warriors feature. You know, we're not even going to try to top it because I don't, I'm not sure how we could. But again, just it was a great day. It was a great idea. She's an incredible person. It was great to see Sam's site and Joe's site with her. I only got to meet Joe Sinnott once at a Rhode Island Comic Con. I got a couple of sketches signed by him. Had a short conversation with him. Got to see him and Jim Shooter have a reunion, which is a whole other story in and of itself. (laughs) But I never met Sam, but I have now met Sue Glansman. And I feel honored to have done so, to have spent the day with her. We had a great time and it's a heck of a road trip. And that brings us to the end of our first installment of the Road Warriors on the Weird Warriors podcast. So if you have any final words, Rich, hit them. Yeah, just one thing I just forgot to bring up. You mentioned all the books I had um, that I had Sam sign. I uh, forgot about the books I had Joe sign. I mean, I don't have anywhere near as many books that had uh, Joe work in them. I only have about two war books that he did. And people are like, you know, what? No superheroes? I'm like, no, I was never into them, especially the team books. I was always a street level uh, hero guy, you know? So I was that odd guy that was bringing war books to Joe Sinnott to have him sign, you know? But it's like I said, you know, I dropped a war book in front of him and he's like, oh, I haven't seen one of these you know in a while and you know one of his helpers is kind of leaning over his shoulders like what issue is that and jotting it down and everything <laughs> and an odd little bit of a, of a joe sinnott trivia we all know about the stan lee cameos and all the marvel movies but joe is actually on screen with stan lee in the party scene in avengers age voltron both were world war ii vets obviously uh, uh sinnott served the navy cbs on okinawa while uh stan lee states uh stateside writing army training films you know he's wearing a white cap he's in it in like two different scenes so next time you're watching the the party scene in avengers age of ultron look for joe yeah otherwise known as the best part of that movie i i wanted that that part of the movie to go on for the full two and a half hours you know i'll feel <laughs> so good awesome. um, so yeah i mean the sketches i got from joe were uh, a headshot of the human torch and and one of the thing of course because the fantastic four is like probably my favorite superhero comic of all time and Sinnott was a huge reason for that so one day that involved sam glansman his his artistic family as was revealed to me tons of artwork artifacts and just amazing historical revelations and then also involving the the legendary Joe Sinnott and and his family and his markers and his his brother and everything that just that's it I mean I'm sure we'll find something else to say in a future installment of Road Warriors but you know in a way the pressure's off we're not topping this one so well you know you be careful what you wish for because Sue does have an open invitation with the Cubert boys down at the Cubert school you know you've already said that if we ever get a road trip down to the Cubert school you're like oh include me in <laughs> oh yeah i've got to go because there's a whole that uh, there's a whole other story i could tell about the first con i ever went to that you brought me to and i met rick veach and he told me stories about being in the first graduating class of the joe kubert school while i sat there and tried to maintain some sense of composure <laughs> so so yeah there's that that trip uh, anytime that that can possibly happen just ring the bell you so, will clear out your schedule <laughs> so until next time folks folks. Folks, 
I am Max. I am Rich. And this is the Weird Warriors podcast. We are the Road Warriors, and we shall promise to make war no more.